Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. Dr. Gray obtained his master's in both acupuncture and oriental medicine from the Atlantic Institute of Oriental Medicine. Dr. Gray enjoys both being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Germany and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and France. He is co-author of several books on food therapy. His office is in Jupiter, Florida, where he has practiced for over a decade and where he resides. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, quality living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray, holistic physician. Thank you for joining us every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard on 88.9 FM WQCS. That is uh, National Public Radio. We're also available, thankfully, on iTunes podcasts, uh, Apple iTunes podcasts. So if you, you know, want to catch up on our shows, just subscribe and, and keep in touch. We are also available for syndication through uh, Public Radio Exchange, and we thank you for supporting us. Now, uh, as you know, we have a new guest every week, and um, I have one of my dear friends and uh, someone I admire that I've had on in the past, but when he was uh, more so fulfilling his role, taking care of patients and as a doctor of physical therapy, and then he went on to help people with spinal issues through the Spine Foundation, North American Spine Foundation, and now he's back um, wearing a new hat. (laughs) <laughs> and this show is going to be more, believe it or not, about the uh, the, the aspect of fiscal health, yeah. right? So right. we went from physical health to fiscal right. health. Right. And I think that's awesome. I think it's poetry, living poetry, that you can do that with your life mm-hmm. and that you can not only do it, but that you can be seen as that, a, mm-hmm. a viable, uh, wonderful entity that can sort of Bring those expertise of how you saw the body and how you saw health in a physical form, and then now transition that into the fiscal health for many. And you're doing this through this uh, the Dakota Wealth Management uh, Corporation. So that's uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and they're big, manage many hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, we have about seven hundred and fifty million under management. There and you we go. Have seven offices around the country. No small feat. Mm-mm. Yeah. It's fun. So thank you for joining us. It's good to see you again. Thank you. Um, Now, let's go back. Dr. Physical Therapy helped a lot. Right. Let's recap that. Yeah. Um, So I had a 28-year career as a healthcare provider. Uh, Just to recap, I was trained as a healthcare provider and always had an interest in operational management. So I went on and got my master's in orthopedic medicine and then I earned a doctorate in a really niche area of operational medical management called perioperative spine care. So I'm trained traditionally as a physical therapist specializing in spine care, had a lot of interest in the systems and processes that led up to that surgical event and those that um, were provided subsequent to it to provide the best outcome for patients. And that always was very intriguing for me. Did that for 28 years. And when I left medicine, had a consulting firm by the name of Spine Trust. I was consulting 
for a number of different organizations around the country, and that was fueled from the work that I'd done through the North American Spine Foundation and getting that off the ground over three years. Also had the Palm Beach Spine Institute, and that was a cash-based spine facility. So when we see cash-based in medicine, we just didn't deal with third-party payers. And I was really at a point in time at the age of 50 where things were sort of pretty darn good in my career and had a lot of opportunities nationally and internationally. But I've never defined myself as a physical therapist or as a healthcare provider. It was something I did. Right. But it was a mechanism for me to do two things. One, to improve the lives of people. And two, to make what I felt was a meaningful impact. And I had gotten to a point in medicine where that became more difficult to do. Maybe because I had been doing it for so long. Um, I think a lot of it because of the state of medicine in this country and the dysfunctional relationship between providers and patients and third-party payers. There wasn't a day that wouldn't go by where a patient wouldn't ask, why don't you accept my insurance? It becomes very tiresome to have to explain that, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so that would be... Well, that's because you're more patient than me. I yeah. just say, because um, I don't want to. Yeah, right. Exactly. I don't do that. Right. I don't like it. <laughs> right. And those are good answers. Yeah. Um, and the other thing was when it came down to improving people's lives and making an impact... You know, when you start young and you're working through that process, we're all very idealistic. And maybe I had developed some cynicism with respect to the factors that actually can be brought to bear on a patient situation. And only a small aspect of it mm-hmm. was me. Yeah, A lot of it is them. And I think what occurred to me over the past, well, in the last three to four years of being involved in any patient care outside of my consulting Mm -hmm. was this realization that people just don't want to do the work oftentimes. Mm -hmm. You know, a small percentage will, and those are very gratifying opportunities. But people look for a quick fix. People want, you know, you've seen that. And so there are many people who were absolutely not surgical candidates who would Mm -hmm. move in that direction because they were hoping for a quick fix. And you have enough of those, and I think that... um, uh, I was always open to opportunities around that idea of improving and impacting lives. Mm-hmm. And so when this opportunity came to me to change fields, but mm-hmm. to do a lot of what I was already doing, operational management, systems, right. processes, and enhancing the way care is provided, um, I jumped on the opportunity. And so yeah. here I am. So it sounds, to put it in a nutshell, like you were an artist <laughs> that, w- <laughs> that wanted to make art the way they wanted to make art. Right. And that you just had to find a new canvas to paint. Because the other one, you did some good art, you know, Thank you. and you were able to sell some paintings. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but with the management and everything else and the gallery you were working with didn't work too well. So you found a new gallery and new, uh, new canvas. Right. I yeah. was done with I was done with painting uh, and I wanted to get yeah. into sculpting. Sculpting. There and you go. Yeah. that's really what I'm doing yeah. right now. So and it's all healing. It's all, you know, they're all aspects of us that we need. We need, you know, uh, I, I, I've said that before. And that's why I do this show is that, you know, there's aspects of health, health care. Mm-hmm. You know that um, 
are not physical centric, not even mental sultry, not not even just emotional, but it's everything. It's every I, I say food is everything, right? right? Everything we that comes through our eyes is food. Everything that right. comes through our ears is food. Everything that comes through our mouth is food. Right. So um, I think our physical health is important because that helps define us and who we are and whether we can access aspects of our life that we think we should or want to or, you know. Those are really important points. And to yeah. build off of that, so to make it clear, I don't manage money. So right. that's not my job. I'm not a practitioner. Right. I'm doing the stuff that I loved. I loved caring for patients, right. but I loved even more running the processes, right. making sure yes. that everything from the time that a patient reached out with a need mm-hmm. to the whole management process and making that seamless and mm-hmm. enjoyable and extraordinary, right. That's I love that. Right. So here I am now as Chief Operating Officer for Dakota Wealth Management. That's my job, is to make that process as smooth as possible so the practitioners are doing the stuff that they love every day. And your official title, just to say, that's a Chief Operating Operating Officer. Officer. Yeah, COO. Got it. So that makes sense. Right. So when you look at the priorities of people, not just in the United States, but worldwide, there are two things that they will always tell you are they're, they're most concerned about, their health and their wealth. So I've gone from health care, and I'm now in wealth care. And here's what's really fascinating when you think about it. If a person who has some money that they need to manage, but they don't know how to manage that properly, either to maintain what they need to live on or to build for the future, they come to our firm with a need, just like a patient. It's the same thing. They have a need. The next step is the evaluation, determining where they are, where they want to go, what the problems are, and coming up with an overall assessment Mm -hmm. of their fiscal wealth. And then from there, our practitioners design a plan, come back to the client, and offer that plan or describe what they plan to do, The client signs on and it's implemented. Mm. And over time, you can objectively measure if those goals are being met. It's the same thing in medicine. It's the same thing. The differences are, number one, it's easier to objectively measure in wealth if you're hitting the goals than in health. Because you and I both know that it's not just the physical experience of pain, it's the emotional experience. Right, it's not just a range of motion, but yeah, it's how the person perceives. And and you can see somebody moving better, but they may not say that they're better. Right, they're still still in pain, but it's how how are they determining pain? Like what is pain to them? Some people pain is numbness, which doesn't make sense to me, but to them it is. Right, and they're suffering. Here's the other big difference in wealth care versus health care. Our clients are aligned. So in, in health, to, to describe that more clearly, in healthcare, traditional care, so not the practice models that you and I have, mm. but in 95% of the care that's being provided out there in the world that is third-party payer-based, your patient has relinquished their customer role to the third-party payer. Mm. So the patient now, because they pay their insurance premium, they now are just a consumer. They're looking to consume if they're having a problem as much as they can to get better. Mm. The third party party payer is looking 
to control the amount of consumption so they have right. to pay as little as possible. Right. And you've got the provider in the middle and it's really not well aligned right. at all. You've got a patient who's paid for the buffet and now they want to eat everything they can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the person who's running the buffet is saying, hey, you can't do that, but right. that's the assumption. Right. Um, and the hard thing is for the provider is, is that in the public eye, they're seeing, they're, their appeal and their marketing is really to the patients. Yeah. So it's, it, that was very dysfunctional. And the other thing in wealth care versus uh, health care, and this is related to the economics of it all, we bill our clients in advance. So we bill them on a flat fee for the money that we're managing. So if we're successful, we make them a lot of money, we can make more money, right? Mm -hmm. It's a fair deal. But we bill them for the quarter going forward. Mm -hmm. In medicine, that doesn't happen. Right. We're billing in arrears mm -hmm. and chasing collections, right. chasing payments. Right. I don't have that headache anymore. Yeah. So, so Chief Operating Officer, I'm thinking when I'm thinking the tie-in between health and wealth and so forth, I'm thinking preventative. Yeah. I'm thinking damage control. Right. Right. That's got to be in your wheelhouse and that's got to be part of what you really need to when, when they're looking for that. They're looking to you probably most of the time. Right. right? Yeah. So what is uh, let's let's look back on the last year right. and really last few months. Mm -hmm. You look at a market that has been volatile. Right. And I'm sure most of the listeners that listen to NPR, this right. is their thing because I listen to NPR. I want to know in the morning when I turn that on at about six o'clock on the way to the gym, <laughs> I want to know what's going on right. and I want to know why. So obviously it's been, you know, again, you're not managing money, but it's coming from the top and you're at the top. Mm -hmm. What were some of the meetings and how did that look when it came to really scared, trembling investors <laughs> during the last few months and of, of uh, the ups and downs with China trade and so forth and so on and the seesaw of the stock market? Yeah, so I've got to see it now firsthand. I've never seen this before. Um, and it's a little bit like uh, dealing with a patient who has an urgent issue. Mm -hmm. And how are you going to, what decision are you going to make now to manage them? How are you going to triage them? Right. And how are you going to prevent the problem from becoming any worse, especially okay. if there's an infection or something like that? Yes. So if you look at the markets over the past, say, even six months, there's been an infection. There's been some disease. Yeah. And they've they've struggled. And I, what I've heard a lot from our team is that the basic fundamentals seem to be in place, yet the market is struggling. What's yeah. happening here? And I've also heard interesting comments about how historically you could never factor in politics mm. with the behavior of the market. It was always, in their opinion, and these are experienced people yeah. who have been there, done this a long time. Yeah. The guy who founded this firm has been in practice for over 30 years, has mm -hmm. had incredible success, yeah. and has been has seen really down markets. And they've always had this opinion that it's irrelevant what's happening politically. Yeah. That has changed dramatically. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Dramatically. Like on a day-to-day -day basis. Day -day basis. An hourly basis, actually. Exactly. I've seen it in an hour. Right. Like change. So they've never seen this kind yeah. of reach in yeah. to the market. Yeah. Some of it I've heard them say is related to the tariffs. Yeah. Others is just simple uncertainty yeah what's happening with this administration what's yeah. going to be the next decision and right how's that going to... so i think that's a big factor and so 
what I've heard our team say is, and what they do is they look at having a core list. Yeah. They have a core, so we deal a lot with equities. Mm-hmm. Um, they do option overlays. They do fixed assets yeah. and you know bonds and things like that. So they're pretty dispersive in managing an individual's account to make sure it's as protected as possible, but can grow depending on their risk sure. um, profile. What I hear these guys talk about is they look at the core list. How are these companies behaving? They have a set of rules. And if any of these companies violates their rule, they're out. Mm. They're off the core list. Wow. And they bring in another company to the core list. And then that, those core companies, and they're anywhere from 10 to 15, that's what makes up the majority of what sits in a lot of people's portfolios. They look at this all day long. Mm. It's amazing to me what these guys do. But the conversations have been around, is our core list viable? They've increased the frequency of their meetings. Mm-hmm. They, in our office, and we have seven offices around the country, but in our main office in Palm Beach Gardens, there's a huge trading table. They all sit together, mm-hmm. and the conversations, I mean, you, you know, it's not G-rated conversation, right. but they have conversations about what's happening in the markets, what's going on, where should we be with this? Right. So it's very dynamic. And so, so it seems that, you know, obviously there was some which would say from medical terminology, we had an inflamed market and it needed some correction, and then we went to a, straight to a bleed out. <laughs> so, obviously, during the inflamed area, everybody's happy because they're they don't care. They're just like you know we're making more money. But then the bleed out, it's like okay, let's sell, 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 sell. So you call a sell off, right. which is like the bleed out. Right. Now, in this sort of uh, biomechanical structure or body or organism of of business, does that affect uh, you know what these core businesses that you work to to survey and make sure that that's the core of the portfolios does that affect your your investors that they say you know let's sell 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 or do they or they just have faith so what i see and what i've heard from the analysts and the advisors that work on our team they separate the rules and the true analytics so Mm -hmm. the evidence base from emotion because it's easy to get emotional when, yeah. when you see the market drop 700 points. Yeah. And so these guys, what I hear them say, they check each other. Dude, you're, that you're, you've lost perspective here. This right. is the rule. Let's go right. back and look at the fundamentals. I hear that all the right. time. Right. Our company also, we do, we do some alternative investing. Mm-hmm. We do option overlays, which is a way to hedge the market and so forth. Okay. And so what I've seen is some of the more sophisticated advisors in our company who use that strategy have actually made money on the downturn. Interesting. And so it's, 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 um, it's science, it's evidence-based, just like you and I have mm-hmm. lo- yeah. lived our lives in medicine. But also, like you and I have done, there's a, there's mm-hmm. a hunch, there's a gut. You've been there before, yeah. you've seen it. You know? And so these guys have had a lot of experience. They've been in these down markets. They were there when the global financial crisis really brought us down. Right. And they just know when to pull the trigger and when to right. hold tight. At the end of the day, since no one really knows for sure, and then you can, you can only hope to be with the right people, consult the best professionals, right. basically have the best team right. on, you know that's got your back, uh, what would be the percentage of one's income that you would suggest, like, this is really the most you want to invest with us? 
Is there a sort of a limit that you say or like a security blanket or, you know, suggestion? I don't know. Good question. Yeah. And I actually don't know the answer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I think... That would be a different department. A different obviously. department, yeah, right. Yeah. So mine, Sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay because yeah. it's a great question and people ask me that. And mm. it's an opportunity for me to, to really uh, drive home the point that these guys and girls, mm-hmm. they really focus on those questions and the allocation of assets in someone's portfolio. Yeah. And that changes based on what's going on in their lives. They're going through a divorce. They're buying a new sure, house, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Now that fluct changes. Or if they're getting ready to retire or right. whatever. So that's the stuff that I hear. So I don't think the, that anybody would give you like a really hard Yeah, answer. it requires an assessment. Right. That's, that's I right. think, an intelligent, you know. So to say, okay, 20% yep. or 50%, that doesn't make sense because if you have a baby right. on the way or right. if you're, you know, <laughs> right. you're in the middle of a career and at the end of your career, you're not retired, right. you know, you're fixed income, whatever right. it may be, right. all of those play into that. And my job is to make sure that they can spend most of their time focusing on those questions and not have to worry about the other stuff that's involved in running the business. Understood. Understood. So with Dakota Wealth Management, it it's it's local here. You have offices in Palm Beach Gardens, but it it's do you have other locations that you work out of that you have to travel like Yeah, I do travel quite a bit. So we have our headquarters is in Palm Beach Gardens. We have an office in Palm Beach on the on the island. We have one in Fort Lauderdale. That's in Florida. Right. And then uh, we just acquired a firm on Commonwealth Avenue in Boston. Yeah. Uh, we have two other offices in Massachusetts in Peabody and Amesbury. And then we have an office in New Hampshire in Portsmouth. Right. So I go to all those offices. So there's so much of health, obviously, that has changed in regards to our perception of it being, okay, you know, at one time it was only what was afforded to me here in my general area, the doctor that I have access to, the hospital that I have access to. Now it's global health where you can go online, you can learn about Ayurvedic, traditional Chinese medicine, what's happening in Germany with homeopathic. I mean, there's a lot of, and and uh, health-related tourism, obviously, is a thing in the billions yeah. and growing. Yeah. Now, how has fiscal health and investment and management and the global approach change? Because it used to be the market was very much America, right? (laughs) You know, you're investing in America. But there's very few companies that you could say we're investing in an American company that's purely American. Right. In fact, I had a conversation with someone over the holidays who's uh, been in the industry and actually uh, worked in London for a long while. And and what he was telling me is, is that investment management is sort of unique to North America. In the rest of the world, there aren't these what we call registered investment advisory mm-hmm. firms. Mm-hmm. They just don't exist like they exist here in the United States. Right. So there seems to be more interest internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, all Most of our investments are national in the U.S. markets because um, I think this is where you know, a lot of the hub is for this activity. But there's definitely interest internationally. Yeah. And the other thing that's happening is because so many people want to have their money managed by someone who knows what the heck they're doing, as you get people who have smaller levels of assets coming to the market, they can't afford to pay an expert advisor. So they're looking for passive strategies and they what they call these uh, robot solutions mm. where they're just kind of based on algorithms. Right. Yeah. They pay a lesser fee. Yeah. and it's So yeah. all of that is kind of happening. Yeah. So... 
How do our listeners get in touch with the professionals at Dakota Wealth Management to they, manage the health of their wealth? That's right, exactly. They can actually contact me directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, my email address is mreed at dakotawm.com, or they can call us. Uh, it's 561-774-8101. Is there a certain um, sort of level of wealth they have to be at in order to have you manage? Because I know there is certain firms that you know they won't accept anything under a million or a million five or where, where are you guys with that yeah we we a million is sort of our kind of point of entry typically but we do take clients who have uh, a smaller level of assets mm-hmm. depending on their situation Understood. what i tell people is just call us mm-hmm. because if we are not the right firm for them we can make a recommendation All right. Thank you. This was another wonderful Maximum Health Quality Living. And it was about health and wealth and everything we need to know to get started on that path or at least to access people who do uh, know (laughs) how to get started (laughs) on that path. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Dr. Michael Reed. uh, Congratulations on this transition and all the help that you will bring to many. And uh, we hope that you'll join us Continue to join us every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard. And again, if you missed any portion of this show, uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasting, please subscribe. Now just a quick shout-out to our friends at Oasis. The world's best golfers, including John Daly, Bernhard Langer, and Freddie Couples, are back in Boca Raton for the Oasis Championships, uh, February 8th through 10th at the Old Course at Broken Sound. For tickets, visit oasischampionship.com. The Oasis Championship has raised over $2 million for the Boca Regional Hospital. See you next time.